G'day listeners and welcome back to the Keeper League. My name is Hef and I'm joined by Kays. How's your week been, mate? Uh, pretty good. We're yeah. coming in some bloody hot weather here in Adelaide and uh, sweating a bit in my I'm struggling to survive room. right now. Yeah. All right. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, we're an uh, AFL fantasy podcast that uh, focuses on Keeper League. So we're basically sifting through your garbage in your Keeper League, uh, trying to find anything of value to help you uh, win your league. So, yeah. Uh, hope hopefully you- a few bottles and cans in there today. Some <laughs> 10 cent collections. There might be a few bottles and cans here, I think. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, let's uh, let's get stuck into it. So this week, um, we have found out about the new kick-in rules. So for those who missed that, uh, the new kick-in rules are based. Basically, if you uh, players no longer have to kick to themselves to play on, they can run straight out of the square. If they kick from outside of the square, they get the stat, the kick stat, plus three. But if they kick from inside the square, they don't get the stat. However, you can handball from inside the square and still get the two points. Um, so, Case, how do we think the uh, new rule will play out in terms of fantasy? Well, it's going to be quite interesting because I can't see too many people handballing out of the goal square yeah. unless they're running out a long way and getting into a bit of trouble. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how clubs actually use the new rule and, and what they do with the, I suppose, the extra space that the kicker in ha- kicker in or whatever you <laughs> want to call it has. Um, I can't see people running out a long, long way and, and bombing it that way. I can okay. see people coming out the square um, and the plus three becoming relevant basically just for that extra metre or two. Yep. Um, as someone who's kicked out a bit playing footy, it's just that handy to have that extra lateral movement, I think, um, yeah. as opposed to the length. So I think there'll be a lot more three-pointers. Um, yeah. So it's going to be very interesting, especially in the JLT, to see who's getting a lot of these kick-ins. Yeah. Um, who do you reckon might might be one of the, the people that gets that bump from that? Well, there's a whole heap, and I guess we could talk about someone like Jake Lloyd or James Sicily, but they're already going to be snapped up. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can look at a few players that, um, yeah, we think from, you know, players that aren't owned that might actually, you know, receive a bump from this. So last week we talked about Luke Brown, very minimal, um, you know, might make him fantasy relevant, but we won't go over him again. But uh, let's have a look at someone like, uh, for me, Nathan Wilson. Um, took yep. a, We're going to talk about him in more detail when we get to Frio, mm-hmm. but uh, took a lot of uh, kickouts this week. Uh, this year, sorry. And uh, yeah, a lot of them weren't actually play on. So um, I reckon he's someone who might receive a receive a bump. But yeah, there's plenty more. Case, who do you think? Um, well, from my side, Connor McKenna's probably one to use that speed out of the, the yep. goal square. So um, he's not a too bad kick either. So he might get a bit more opportunity uh, kicking in. Um, Adam Saad's another one from the Dons who could get that bump. I actually quite like Steve May. Um, yeah. He's been a pretty consistent backman in terms of that you know, yep. high 70s, 80s yep. in general. If he actually gets the kicking in duties at Melbourne, that's going to be the interest point but yeah, of course you know he's his um average could go up you know an easy 10 or 12 points a game purely just uh kicking out i saw an article this week uh it was actually um lyndon dunn uh speaking to the press and he, he was saying like he took a lot of kick out i think he was like uh, colin was leading kick out taker until he got injured mm-hmm. uh last year and he was fearful i guess someone like him um would be replaced by a midfielder because he actually does think that the players might actually be playing on more. So he used the example from the grand final when they're down, you know, a few points or whatever and they need to move the ball out. Um, he reckons that would be an opportunity where they probably would try to run and take it on. So he was actually fearful that they'll give it to someone a bit more speedy than him. So some of these guys we might be thinking about might receive a bump, might be replaced completely by other players. Maybe it's a player with a super boot yep. who can kick 60 metres yep. or it might be someone who's real nippy and does actually play on. So I guess yeah. that's something we have to consider as well. JLT watch. Big time. Big yeah. time JLT watch because uh, – 
yeah, we just don't know what's going to happen and uh, all good coaches should be taking very big note of what's happening this year in the JLT. Yeah, just another player, I guess, to think about. Like, So Dan Houston has been looked at at Port Adelaide a lot for taking kick-ins, but I think Ryan Burton um, could actually steal that as well. So I guess people, a lot of people are banking on Dan Houston to, uh, to receive a bump. But um, yeah, just be careful, I guess, and see what Ryan Burton does when he's in the side. So. He's a good player, so he'd be on many people's uh, watch lists anyway. All right, let's move on to our league spotlight for this week. So I talked to uh, Mitchell from Hobart and he let us know about his keeper league. Okay, I'm joined by Mitch from Hobart, who's here to tell us about his keeper league. How are you, mate? Yeah, good thanks, mate. Going well. All right. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about your league. So, how long has it been running? How's it structured? Uh, what's it called? All that sort of stuff. Yeah, no worries. So, we're into our ninth season. We started in 2011. We've got 10 teams, and uh, you keep a squad of 20, and you have a squad of uh, 34. Uh, we have the, uh, the AFL fantasy scoring system. Um we have, as I said, the 10 teams. It's called the Top Cup, uh, which is named after a street, which is sort of, I guess, the league was born. We yeah, had okay. a bit of a, a bit of a party house back in the day, and we did a lot of the original drafts out of out of the street down here in Hobart, and it is sort of how the Top Cup came about and getting close to the 10-year mark next year. Yeah, 10 years, that's a uh, that's a good crack at it. So, uh, yeah, has your team won any flags, or uh, how, how's your team go? Nah, not too, not too great of late. I was, I was pretty good early on in the competition. Played off in the grand final in the first year and actually finished on top two years in a row and then went out in straight sets. So oh. I just had players that basically couldn't get near it in the final series. So doing a bit of a mini rebuild at the moment. So hopefully it's a bit, a bit more improved this season. All right. Well, yeah, best of luck uh, for this season, mate. So uh, do you have a uh, premiership cup or a trophy? Uh, is there any story behind it? Yeah, we've got, got a premiership shield. It's... Um, you get your name and your team engraved on it every year, and the previous premiership coach presents it to you on draft day. Uh, our draft day is a bit of a big deal. It runs all day, and it's compulsory that all coaches attend <laughs> in person. Every coach, every coach has got their own unique jumper with their own logo that's compulsory to wear on draft day. So it's nice. certainly sheep station. Cool. So, uh, yeah, do you have any punishments for the uh, wooden spooners or anything like that? Yeah, we do. We've got a few little uh, novelty things. The the wooden spoon, and we've had a bloke, Frank Moore, who I reckon he's won five. He's sort of the, the struggler in our league. Yeah. He, he presented with a, a wooden spoon on draft day, and you also have to wear this funny little croc hat, which makes you look like a bit of a goose. <laughs> You've got to wear that for the day. Uh, we also have an award for basically the bloke that's had the biggest fall from Greece, had the biggest shocker. So I've got to wear a gold jacket on draft day. It's uh, it's coming to 10 years old, so it's a bit tattered now, but you've got to basically <laughs> walk around wearing it on draft day and do your drafting in that. It's, a, uh, it's not the greatest war to win, but certainly uh, adds a bit of a highlight to our to our league and our draft Yeah, the draft day is probably, well, I reckon, the best uh, one of the best days of the year, I reckon, just getting together and the anticipation for it. And, yeah, just an excuse to talk some fantasy and, you know, make some picks uh, with a few beers. It's always good fun. Yep, yeah, ours is, ours is massive, really. Starts off with the draft in the morning. Uh, each coach is required to do like a video interview, previously recorded a bit of a, that was the year, answer, answer a group of questions and then one of the coaches sort of formats it into a bit of a video clip that runs for about 10 minutes. Then we sort of go through some signs for the year that blokes basically have had any shoppers or anything of note that's worth having a phone or a skull for. So it's a pretty big day. Um, sort of we book early on in the calendar, normally trying to line up when positions come out and we do ours before the JLT every year because we yep. don't want to give away too much for coaches. It's a, it's a really interesting debate, the one I reckon. Do you do it after JLT or before? But we're pretty big on doing it before 
So every coach doesn't really get access to any pre-season form. Just making it a little bit tricky and keeping coaches on their toes. Yeah, it's a good idea. Um, yeah, we, we do ours um, after or during JLT, but yeah, depending on how well you research, I guess, uh, whether you do it before or after is uh, will benefit some and probably not others. Um, does your league have any other uh, funny uh, quirks or stories or anything else that you want to uh, share with us? Yeah, we've got a few little things. So if one of your players is, is fined during the season or suspended, you're, if a player gets one week, it's five bucks into the kitty. If they get suspended, or if they get a, a two-dollar fine for like a minor infringement, so basically we have a kitty of about five or six hundred bucks every year. So it's when you're rocking up on draft day, everything's uh, all sorted. Your food, your drink, um, everything's catered for. As I said, it's a pretty big deal. So we certainly like to be well organised there. We've also got another funny little a, a medal that's awarded to obviously that the best player in the competition that polls basically the most votes in the actual season Tom Mitchell won it last year but we've called it the Neil Oxford, Oxford Medal when we basically were creating our league one one season and putting everyone together on, on the Ultimate Footy platform we had a random bloke somehow joined our league okay. <laughs> this, this Neil fella so we had to sort of ask him to leave because we I don't know how we found it it might have been a glitch in the system but we've basically named Best and Fairest Medal after him and whoever wins that medal they don't have to pay any fines so they basically get a free ride for draft day. So yeah, right. Yeah, Tom Mitchell last year, he had it was a pretty pretty nice draft day for him. <laughs> oh, that sounds good, mate. Yeah, plenty of ideas. I'll definitely be uh, bringing back to my league and see if they want to, uh, yeah, join in with some of these type of things. So, yeah, it's good. All right, mate. Thanks for uh, joining us today, and I uh, hope you're enjoying the podcast. Sounds awesome, mate. Cheers. No worries, mate. Take it easy. Love listening to those league spotlights, so well done, Mitch. That was awesome. And, uh, yeah, a bit of a shout-out to Neil Oxford said, if you're listening. Uh, you're famous and you probably don't even know it. Hope you're enjoying the show, Neil. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get stuck into some analysis. So, same as last week, we're doing the uh, the three teams, um, as mentioned. So, we'll get stuck into the first one. So, that's Collingwood. So, here we go. Okay, first up is uh, Collingwood. So the uh, runners-up from last year, very unlucky in the grand final. But, uh, yeah, hopefully you're a bit luckier than they are this year by finding a few fantasy gems. So, uh, Kays, who have you got uh, on your list to look at first up? Well, the first guy I'm going to speak about is Braden Sear. Um, he's probably one of the guys I'm most hot on coming into this year. Um, I think he's an absolute jet. And I'm licking my lips because he actually went undrafted in our league last year and he's going to be available this year. So could go number one. He could go because he's he's uh, he's a serious player. Look, I probably called on him a, called on him a tad just with uh, Dane Beams making his way back to the pies. Uh, but I really do think this bloke's going to be a mainstay of their midfield for a while. Yep. Um, Sears a really big boy, 191 centimetres and 88 kilos. That was last year. So he's probably only got, only gotten bigger from then. Yep. Um, and just those guys are so gold- uh, not only football-wise, but fantasy-wise. You're looking at your Cripses, Bonts, Fifes. Uh, the big boys is uh, is where it's at. What I like is that if Pendles, uh, obviously, is ageing, yep. um, potentially moves back to a back flank or a different kind of role, I think that's where Sia uh, still gets his midfield time. Okay. Uh, I think Beams is obviously going to come in and take a, a fair bit, but I think Sia's still definitely best 22 and uh, one that Pye's got lots of time for. So he played eight games last year for a 75.5 average. Uh, did drop off in his four finals a bit, averaging 62, which is probably fair enough getting towards the end of a big season and some tough games. But yeah, yeah. look, when you're averaging 20 touches and six tackles in your first year playing AFL, uh, heading into his fourth year on a list now, I reckon, 
reckon he's just going to dominate. Hef? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, obviously, someone we're going to have to watch. Um, yeah, with Beams coming, Beams coming back, uh, everyone's probably a bit worried about him, I guess. Uh, but, you know, that said, I reckon we might even see Beams like and a lot of those Collingwood midfielders because there's so many of them. We might see them rotating other positions as well. So, for example, Beams is someone who has played um, up forward before, like on a half forward flank or something like that. Um, and then you've got players like Dugowie who will rotate through. So, you might even see a lot of those type of players actually be swapping roles around the ground and not playing solid midfield. Someone like Sear is probably more of a full-time midfielder. So, I reckon Collingwood probably could afford to leave him in there a bit longer as well. Um, so it's that genuine sentiment kind of thing. Like yeah, exactly. Like a big guy just gets the, gets the hard ball, yeah. uh, does the hard things. Whereas not, yeah. some of their other mids could probably play other roles around the ground when needed. And, you know, with the changes to, uh, I guess, some of the rules and things like that, they're trying to make the uh, game a bit faster and that. I guess they might, uh, they might try to try players in different positions to give them like rest in different positions and stuff like that instead of taking them off uh, every time through. So, yeah, no, I don't mind him. It's just de- definitely someone we're going to have to actually watch uh, in the JLT and fingers crossed he can keep that uh, midfield spot. But I think uh, we're, we're the keeper legs, so we're talking about keeper legs. And, yep. you know, whether this year is not his year that yeah, potentially goes bang, it could yeah, be yeah. next year when, you know, some of these guys start to drop off a bit more. So I'm pretty hot on him and I think uh, he should be pretty high up in most, people, just most people's drafts. Yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, Matt Scharenberg. So, I really like this guy. Um, I think he's got a lot of scoring potential. Uh, he averaged 55 in 2015 and then he was injured for 2016. Uh, then he had a 77 in 2017 and he came home really hot. Uh, he averaged 87 in his last five. And at this point, I'm thinking, here we go. He's about to actually break out, coming into his third year. And then 75, bit of a mix. Uh, sorry, and 2018, he had an average of 75 and a bit of a mixed bag. So, um, he did have one huge huge score of 137 uh, against Geelong um, in round eight. And then a few 90s thrown in, but then obviously season ended uh, by injury. Um, We looked at him in our uh, breakout tracker episode for our Patreon subscribers, and he is tracking um, with the top defenders, um, the top 10 defenders at the same point in their career. So I like that about him. He's only played 31 games, so not a lot of experience. Um, So if he does get a few more games under the belt, I reckon he could take his game to the next level. Case? Yeah, he's a great uh, backman, halfback flank and the good thing about him is he's probably always going to be a defender yep. in, in fantasy. So, Especially with Collingwood's midfield. He's not going in it. Exactly. He's uh, he's sticking in that halfback flank for a while. Yeah, look, he's definitely got talent and he always has. Um, he was always rated highly. It's just that he just has such yeah, a horrible run. Really unlucky. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed for him that it uh, turns around this season. But yeah, look... Um, He's definitely got lots lots of potential for sure. Yeah, cool. Who's next? My boy, Jaden Stevenson. So, uh, the rising star winner. He was super consistent and durable in his first season of footy. Played every single match possible, which was the 22 games and four finals. Uh, averaged 65.7 in the home and away season and uh, just a touch under that in the finals. Look, he pulled out a 115-point game against Brisbane late in the season. In that one, he had 25 touches, which is pretty good going for a first year. Yeah, not um, bad. And he also had five other games of 80 plus um for me i can see him being an absolute gun of the future but as we've already discussed there's just so many options in the pies midfield at the moment so yeah. he's just going to be locked into that half forward flank possibly wing roll um this year uh he's definitely best 22 though there's no doubt about that he's yep. uh he's a he's a star can kick goals does uh he's pretty flashy and speedy um look and while he's got the ability to score those 80 plus games i think his average of 66 potentially is about where he's going to be at this year. He yep. might move that up into a 70, 75, just with natural progression and yeah. natural, you know, the body growing bigger. But I just don't think he's going to take that next step just yet, just uh, with, with where Collingwood are at. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I can definitely see him averaging more than 65 this season. Um, but yeah, like you said, I don't see him moving to the midfield. He's going to be one of those um, half forward types, I guess. That, uh, But through natural progression, I think he'll get to the 75 next season, then probably around the 80 the year after that. Mm-hmm. So, And that's when we probably start thinking of him moving up the ground when a few of uh, the older fellas retire in that Collingwood midfield or you know start to t- play different roles or start to have less time in the gut. So yeah, no, I agree with most of that assessment. So uh, I think we'll move on from there. Yep. Um, cool. So uh, my next uh, player is uh, Braden Maynard. Um, so I never know where to rank this guy. Um, he's always on the verge of being, you know, a bit of a well, solid fantasy player. I wouldn't say a star, but a solid fantasy player, one that you can rely on in one of your last defender spots. Um, but yeah, he averaged uh, 74.6 um, and he's the only one uh, – only one score um, above 100, sorry. Uh, but that was a, no, no, 144 versus Frio uh, in round 11. So a big monster score there. So he's got the uh, got the potential there to do it. Uh, he had 10 games under 70, um, and then he's coming into his uh, fourth year. So I don't know. After 73 games, um, have we seen enough to steer clear of him, or is there still room for improvement? What do you think, Hayes? Um I've had him on the list previously and he reminds me a lot of a Nick Newman style where yeah, like, okay. he has the ability to go big yeah. and and be that guy where you're like, yes, I'm locking him into my team. Yeah. He's going to be a jet. And then, yeah, he delivers 10 games under 70 and you go, yeah, know, exactly. who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> um, I suppose for him, it, he might suffer from that bit where he, he almost doesn't know what his role is at Collingwood and, you know, like, yes, he's been in defense and he does all that stuff. But, you know, with so many good you know, running mids or running half bankers, yeah. half backers, he's potentially maligned to playing that um, role for that, you know, the shutdown role or those yeah, bits yeah. and pieces roles that yeah, exactly. the pies need him and yeah. he can't actually be the the creative kind of player that he So he's got to be inconsistent, basically. I think so. Look, he's going to be one that you, you'll take in a draft because you know, he yes, he might have a few down games, but at the same time, he's pretty consistent. 74.6 as you know, your D5 or um, uh, a uh, bench option for your defender that's pretty handy you yeah, know, of you, and he's going to play most weeks if not every week and yep. uh, bust out scores like that so um, he's probably one that can you know he could take it to the next level it's yeah. just probably at this stage at geez it's just with their list it's just tough to figure out where he sits warrants a mid to late pick Reckon, depending yeah. on the depth of your lead, I'd, I'd say mid because yeah. uh, you know he's consistent he's got a bit of a name as well people know that he can you know get those big scores yep. um, but yeah I've, I've got plenty of time for him it's just well, What's he going to do? Is he going to take that next step this year, next year, or yeah, or doing just? Or is it not going to happen? We just don't know. Yep. And the final player we're going to discuss for Collingwood is Jamie Elliott. Now, um, he's a, obviously a pretty risky proposition as he's only actually played three of the last five seasons. Yep. Uh, but the guy can seriously play footy. Um, in 2014, he averaged 85 and then had an average of 78 in 2015. Missed all of 2016, came back in 2017 with a 76 average, and then obviously missed all of last year. Now, as he obviously missed all of last year, he's not one I'm just going to be taking early or uh, have too many expectations of. But I think there's a massive chance he's going to slide down late in a lot of drafts purely because he averaged zero last season. So uh, a lot of people might not dig all the way down to the bottom of the pools. And I think just with that in mind, he can potentially be a sleeper if he's fit. Now, I was just reading today on uh, afl.com.au. He's actually back training. He's doing well, that's uh, a good bits and pieces of duties, not full training, but uh, he's out there. And I think the Pies are just going to be super cautious with him this year and give him every chance to uh, to be 100% for the year. Now, for me, he's a really speculative late, speculative late pick. 
But I actually think you could do a lot worse than draft him late and just hope that his body gets better as the year goes on and hopefully he's just there uh, as a real gem or a diamond waiting for you, you know, when you need to make finals or you're ramping up for finals and you know you can get a, def- uh, a, a forward that's going to average, you know, 70, 80, easy. Yeah, he's got that that's pretty consistent, you know, mid to late 70s uh, uh, scoring. For me, you know, you'd be talking about coming into finals and stuff like that. My team won the flag last year. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. But um, it's first time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, coming into that final, I struggled to even have a bench on the, in the actual game. So these are the types of players, you know, do I back myself to get a 75 average, 80 average from someone that's probably a little, little more unknown um, and less injury prone? Um, yeah, so for me, he's someone I steer clear of purely for I need people playing in my side. So, yeah, but yeah. I can see definitely see the potential there. Oh, it's fair enough. It's just for one of those ones where people – literally forget about a player because yeah, yeah, they haven't course. played the year before. Yep. And it does happen quite a lot, no matter how experienced your league is, that people just don't dig deep enough or yeah. don't adjust their rankings. And you can go, well, I've got, you know, one pick left and it's, you know, Jamie Elliott or Mason Cox or someone like that. And you go, well, bloody hell, I'll take Jamie <laughs> Elliott, you know, just on the chance that he's going to get his body right and uh, can be a star. So, yeah, that's the last one for the pies. And, uh, yeah, that's it. And we're moving along to the best team in the league. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. And we'll be hearing that song every week from <laughs> March until September. Well, so the media keeps telling me there are a lot of pressure on the Bombers this year. Mate, we're going to rise to the top. <laughs> it's going to happen. Now, that should be uh, – hopefully they're in for a good season. Obviously, Dylan Shield coming to the team is fantastic, but uh, – a lot of work to do to catch some of the, the good teams from last uh, year. Dylan Shields too good for this podcast. We're uh, not going to be discussing him, but uh, Casey might have found some other players that might be of uh, use to some people in uh, out there in the uh, podcast world. So I've who done, are you going to be talking about? I've done my best. This bloke is no Dylan Shield, but he could be good for us. Look, we got Martin Gleeson, the first cab off the rank for the Dons. Uh, look, he's going to be kind of like Jamie Elliott, the forgotten man of the uh, Essendon side, missed all of 2018 with a broken and dislocated foot which he did in the JLT match at the start of last year. And look, it might take a while for him to return to his best, but uh, I think he's just one like Elliot that will slip right down and could be a real nice late pickup uh, in a draft. He finished 2017 in hot form with an 85 average in his last three games, and he's played 59 games from 2015 to 2017, basically playing most of the games in those three years. So right. he was easily in the Don's best side. And uh, while the 16 and 17 seasons only saw him average about 65, I think that could have easily grown last year just with some natural progression and the, the way the, bom- the Bombers were you know, rising up and playing some much better footy. Um, like with Elliot, you know, it's a bit unknown with how his uh, foot's going to be uh, coming to the start of the season. Yep. But mid to late season, he could be a, a little gamble that could pay off very nicely. You don't think someone like Sard's come in and kind of taken his spot or do you reckon have to work hard to get it back? Or He could have to work hard to get it back. Yeah, yeah look, he's not, you know, he was a lock uh, a year ago yeah, in yeah. their best 22. A lot's changed since then. But, you know, there's a few guys around like Mark Bagley. You know, he yep. could easily take his spot. Um, you know, Bagley was ended up playing uh, forward more yep. than he did defender. And, look, uh, Gleeson could slot into some of those roles uh, yep. with Tip and Woody, you know, he yeah, can yeah. float too. Like, they're quite a um, – uh, 
changeable versatile uh, they are that's yep. the word um thank god you're a teacher <laughs> um quite a versatile versatile team so um you know he might be able to um slot into a couple of different positions but yeah he's definitely a player i'd completely forgotten about so uh, cheers for bringing that one up i'll take him off you before you do in the draft so well, you better take him round one then <laughs> all right uh next player is mason redmond so uh he showed he can score last year he played two games uh and scored a 92 and a 71 so if you look at your uh waiver pool there's a nice little 80 or so average sitting there mm. um but yeah he obviously got injured uh after that so he didn't get a game in 2017 and then played three games in 2016 when all the Essendon players were uh suspended um and he only had averaged about 35 but he was probably a bit raw probably a bit too early I think for it was him first year that year yeah so. okay yep. cool yeah so probably a bit too early for him from there but um last year was promising but uh we probably haven't seen enough so um he's worth looking at but He's one of those players that a lot of people are going to get fooled by his average. So you see this 85 sitting there, juicy, late in the draft, take him. And we don't actually know where he's properly at. I don't think two mm-hmm. games is not enough. What do you think, Case? He's the opposite of what Marty Gleason is. Yeah. You know, where he's he going to be bumped up because people will just go, uh, you know, quick uh, instant. They're going to go, oh, he averaged 82 and not actually see that he only played two games. Yep. Um, yeah, he played – those two games are really quite handy. Um, and it was just basically because of injury that he went back out the team. So, yeah. Um, He's going to be an interesting one. You know, he's basically fighting Marty Gleason for a spot back in the team or the players we just talked about then. So uh, I'm just not sure where he fits in. It would be ultra speculative uh, for me to take him at all yeah. in this draft. I just I think there's too much risk uh, as opposed to a reward out of it. So, um, yeah, he'll be interesting to track, uh, see if he plays much JLT and what his role is there. Okay, yeah, probably a late pick for me. I'd you know, reckon warrants that, but yeah, um, like I said, I just have not seen enough of this guy. So yeah, try not to be too fooled by the numbers. Yep. Uh, my next player is Matt Guelphy. Uh, this kid really impressed me last year, uh, footy-wise especially. And uh, he's just a bit of a quick and no-fuss footballer, which I like, and probably exceeded expectations by playing uh, 15 games for the Dons last year and actually played quite well. He averaged 63 last year in those uh, in those 15 games and had six games over 70 with two 90s, which is not too bad for a first year. And I think there's a bit of natural growth for him there. He only averaged th- uh, three tackles per game and potentially handballs a bit too much for me, but yep. I think uh, just won that will potentially grow into his role if he if he does find himself comfortable in the best in and in the best team. Yeah. Um his issue is fantasy wise is he only comes into this year as a mid only. Yeah. So last year you had the the forward DT forward DPP and that just makes him a bit um, either riskier or actually means he becomes a bit more of a sleeper because people write him off as that mid only. So, um, you know, the arrival of uh, Shul might hurt his uh, spot in the side just as that depth player. Yeah. But we don't know what's happening with uh, Zach Merritt at the moment. And look, for me, I think he's probably ahead of a bloke like Bagley as we talked about before. So there's quite a few people fighting for similar spots. So yeah. it'll be very interesting to see what the, the Don side is round one or even what they look like JLT. So for most teams, obviously JLT is massive, but I think actually for the Essendon side, because there's quite a few people who can be fantasy relevant, uh, JLT is going to be massive. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, like you, you pretty much touched on this, but it's, it's a bit of a worry that Essendon midfield is pretty darn strong uh, at the moment. So this kind of ties into the next two blokes I'm going to talk about as well. Um, so whether Guelphy, you know, coming into this season if he was a forward no brainer pick him up yep. as a mid only still worth a punt I think but it kind of just pushes him down the rankings a bit For but sure. uh, yeah talking about midfield time I guess the next people I'm going to be talking about uh, are Darcy Parrish and uh, Andrew McGrath so um 
Parrish has uh, averaged uh, 74 last year, um, down four points from the year before. When McGrath averaged 71, so pretty similar numbers. Um, McGrath was up a point. Uh, but the reason why I've kind of lumped them together, they're both players that we probably expect to meet, move into the midfield at some stage. Um, but with Devin Smith, uh, Fritzy, as he's known here in South Australia, uh, and uh, now Shill um, coming into the side, it's probably stunted that. Um, so can we see growth in these players if they're playing their forward and back roles respectively? Or are they settling to these kind of numbers until they make that transition to the midfielder? Um, Kays, what do you think? Firstly, Tanunda Foodland, shame, shame, shame <laughs> for banning the uh, free smiley fruits. That's just on South Australian. Uh, getting back to the actual point we're here for. Um, yeah, with both of these guys, I'm a bit uh, sheepish with Darcy Parrish in general. I just don't know if he's actually got that jet yeah. fantasy game yeah. McGrath to me looks like a player so the thing with McGrath is yes these two probably aren't actually going to get that midfield time especially because Shields in there now and, yeah. and Fritz has gone bananas but McGrath's obviously going to be a backman for probably next season too yeah. so uh, for anyone starting a keeper league you basically can take McGrath as a defender for two seasons yeah. because uh, he's not going to get enough midfield time that we can see where he's going to uh, lose that DPP for next year. So yeah. I think he becomes more relevant fantasy-wise, but yes, his scores aren't probably going to show that. The only thing that will help him out is uh, no God added round. So does McGrath end up playing that, I hate saying it, quarterback role yeah. um, where he gets more, more of the ball yeah. uh, and distributes it or does someone else take it? If he can get that role, I think he potentially jumps up to that closer to 100. But uh, yeah, for Parrish, I'm just not sure. I'm just not uh, sold on his fantasy game. It's probably one of the few times I agree 100% with you, Kays. Uh, but yeah, I think McGrath is going to be definite definite gun. Um, he's a player that Essendon seemed to want to get the ball into his hands. They mm -hmm. want him to be using the ball off cross halfback. He's actually a really, really good defender. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, he does have the kind of tendencies, well, because he was, I guess, more of a midfielder early on uh, in juniors and things like that. So to play that kind of halfback role, it kind of comes naturally to a player like him, I think, as well. Um, get behind the play, get a few kicks. So I think his game's actually suited to fantasy and it's just the kind of natural progression we're waiting on for him to kind of jump into those 80s, those 90s type mm -hmm. numbers. I reckon he will inevitably move into the midfield at some stage. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I think um, I think he's the one to go to. Darcy Parrish, not sold. I reckon we can probably expect similar type numbers in the 70s for him. Yep, I agree. Who's next? Uh, big smoking Joe Danaher. So, another forgotten warrior uh, that I've talked about tonight. Look, he was one of the best forwards in the game in 2017. Um, had an average of 85 and had six tons. So, I really dominated fantasy-wise and just in general footy. Um, obviously, injury affected year last year for an average of 64 it was just a complete write-off so um once again as we've said a lot of times tonight it's going to be a real wait and see as how his body comes back but yep. the thing i love about uh big joe is that he's going to come back into a don side that is going to be uh significantly better than it was when he was uh, dominating a few years ago like he's really hasn't played with sard uh, smith and obviously not shill yeah so you now got those guys feeding him the ball on an absolute plate and I think that's just going to be uh, fantasy gold if he can actually get fit and firing. Now, I do know that you don't like the old key forward. Yes, yeah, so I discriminate against key forwards. You do. I'm not a big fan. No, it's disgusting. But look, I think there are exceptions to the rules. So if you talk about someone like a Nick Rewalt or a Richo, I think Danaher is quite similar to them in terms of that he actually gets up and down the ground. He's quite mobile, takes a great mark. He's got a good engine. I think that he can actually 
be one of those key forwards who actually is very, very relevant. Yeah. And I think that 85, 90 average is, um, you know, almost a given if he's fit, especially in this Don side. Yeah. I'm just spitballing a bit here. So, I guess as well, with the changes to the um, in the back role and things like that, because he is kind of that slider frame, I'm assuming key defenders get the same allowances, those in the back type things. That's the one thing I'm worried about. In those kind of contested uh, situations, all he'd have to do before was get in front and basically he was pretty much protected because he's so tall. Mm-hmm. Now he can kind of get shoved under the ball and things like that. So that's the only thing that really concerns me. I do think he's that athletic type uh, key forward that can move up the ground, can run, can get, like go win his own ball if he needs to. Mm-hmm. I still think he's um, a bit off showing us that though. So we just got to have to wait and see a bit more with him. And I'm just a bit wary just with the, where, where his body's at at the moment. Yeah. Um, I still don't think he's into full training. So one that you have to wait, you know, potentially for the midway point of the year to see where he's really at. But, yeah. you know, look, if he's in our draft, I have no issues taking him early because uh, I think he's one not just for this year, but also for the future. Yeah. All right. On to Aaron Francis. Now, before I start, I do rate this kid, okay? But the hype over his last game at the moment is absolutely ridiculous. All right. Before this game, he'd had one score above 70, all right? He's getting 60s. He averaged 65 from five games, nothing to write home about prior. And now people are saying he's going to step into this Goddard role, but I just don't see it. He plays like a key position player. Uh, Even if he does move into the Goddard role, um, Goddard's numbers across half-back, were good, but not massive. He got his real points when he played in the midfield and when he just roamed everywhere and got the pill. So I think you might disagree on this one, Kays, but he's the type of player that I feel um, other coaches are going to feed into this hype. And so I'm willing to let people go after him so I can go after someone else. Or if I own him, let's offer him up for a trade. See if there's people interested. There's going to be some crazy uh, bomber supporters out there, Kays, that are just going to sell the farm to get him, I think. Um, well, firstly, let's just go through your theory. <laughs> now, who did the Bombers play in the last game? Port Adelaide. And what happened in that game? I was a dead rubber, so I've just kind of blocked that one out, mate. <laughs> yes. So we he dominated. Absolutely, we, he absolutely we, dominated. We ended against Port Adelaide. aspirations, but uh, <laughs> no, it was already over. <laughs> he was uh, he was amazing that night. But yes, I don't. I think that is a uh, is a small sampling. Um, you know, a bigger pool, and I just think that. Um, I actually agree with you. I think he's a he's a talented kid, but he's quite tall. He's actually got really he uses the ball fantastically. Yeah, he does. He's, he's a he is actually a really good player. But yes, I'm not buying into the hype either. Yeah, okay. Uh, if I had him, I would I'd be happy to keep him, but I'd also be willing to throw him up and see what I can get. Yep. Because at this stage people might be paying overs because they think there's that god I'd roll. But you know, I think that just means McGrath's probably gonna step up his oh, points I think so more too. than anything else. Yeah. Um Absolute gun. I, I love him. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see another season of him and just see where he's at. All right. Uh, last player. I'm, gonna, I'm only going to talk about it quickly because we actually brought him up uh, last week and we've talked about quite a few Essendon players. But uh, Kobe March. Um, so, like we said last week in the uh, in the question section, uh, solid VFL numbers. He had nine games above 100 in the VFL. His top score was around 140 from memory. Um, three AFL games for an average of 60, so nothing super crazy there. But he's coming into his third year, real solid junior scorer, um, you know, pig-like tendencies in the uh, underage comps. Uh, can he break into the Essendon midfield? So, we've got uh, Merritt, Shield, Heppel, uh, Devin Smith, Zaharakas, Myers, Parrish McGrath, we expect to move in at some stage. Is there going to be a role for him, Kays? What do you think? Uh, I can't see it. Yeah. Uh, I think... I don't. To be honest, I don't know enough about him to even say where he might better slot it into that forward pocket, half forward flank. You yeah. know, I think we've even got enough good players. Um, you know, you yeah, if yeah. you go back to your Redmonds or Gleasons yeah. and then Guelphies, yeah. I think he's above them. Um, look, he's potentially one that you just throw a late 
pick yeah, out and yeah, see exactly. what happens, you know? Like some of those ones you just throw the last pick and they end up being an 80 average and you yeah, just yeah. feel like an absolute jet. But <laughs> um, I would pick him, um, but I wouldn't expect much from him and it would be a, it would be super speculative. All right. I think that's enough about Essendon. So, uh, I mean, we can keep talking. No, nah, I'm good, mate. We'll, uh, we'll keep going. Let's move on to Fremantle. <laughs> Okay, moving on to the Frio Dockers. So, a team that's in a bit of a rebuild at the moment, but I always find these probably the funnest teams to look at because there's lots of potential there because they don't have too many superstars at the moment. So, Correct. Yeah, so we can uh, have a uh, deep dive into their list. So, Kays, who have you got first up? Well, after that jazzy Fremantle number that uh, obviously been redone, it's quite... I don't like it, but yeah. um, <laughs> I don't think it's ever been a good song. So no, apologies been. to any Frio supporters out there. Yeah, but your song's <laughs> horrible. Um, my first player is Stefan Giro. So uh, this kid's heading into his second season of footy. Um, two years ago, he did find an absolute heap of footy in the SANFL reserves in 2017. Uh, averaged 26 touches, six marks, and four tackles uh, back then. So obviously, uh, really can find the pill. Last year, he played 10 games at AFL at an average of 57 with a PB of 77. Um, but show he was actually a class above in the waffle in his six games, uh, averaging 94. Now, this kid is flying fit. He's one of those time trial kings that uh, the AFL.com writers absolutely love this time of year. Um, took out the Fremantle time trial ahead of um, Andrew Brayshaw. Yep. So, he's obviously quite fit, um, doing all that he can to play this season. Would you and say he's burning up the track? Uh, I'm pretty sure if I bring it up, it would somehow say that in that. <laughs> yeah, in that. yeah, good. It's just copy-paste. Yeah. X burning up the track. Yep, good. Um, yeah, but he's he's one that's going to put his hand up big time for for um, a full time spot in the Dockers team this year. Uh, and yeah, just be he'll be one I'm going to watch because uh, yeah, it could be quite a handy player. Yeah. So again, we we know with Lockie Neal uh, leaving, there is a midfield hole there. Is he the one to fill it? I don't know, but um, I reckon it still will lead to more opportunities for this guy. So uh, yeah, probably someone we can actually have a look at. I think from memory uh, before the draft, he was pretty high. Highly rated, so and yeah. Frio were pretty stoked to get him. So, yeah, definitely one I'll be looking at for sure. Hef, who's your first player? All right, I'm going to talk about Nathan Wilson. So, he's averaged around the 70 mark the past two seasons, but I reckon it was probably a little bit disappointing last year. Um, you know, being one of the kind of main ball users off the halfback line for GWS, you know, when players go to a new club, you always think, oh, this, this you know, change of role, always going to get more responsibility. This guy's about to light it up. And then they go to Fremantle. <laughs> yeah, and just turn into nothing. Yep. Um, but uh, where he kind of stands up, and we touched on this uh, earlier in the podcast, is the kick-in opportunity. So, if we add all the uh, kick-ins where he didn't kick to himself, uh, he bumps his average up to 83. Um, So... For me, I think high 70s, low 80s should be a real possibility. The only thing is they, they're talking, well, Ross Lyon actually talk, spoke about uh, Luke Ryan being the one who's going to take the kick-ins or move, mm-hmm. distribute the ball from uh, the halfback line. So I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But, you know, if we, you know, going, going purely on last season, his average would have been 83, which is pretty serviceable for you. Well, for me, he would be my last defender. So, yep. yeah, what do you think, Case? Yeah, I think uh, with the kicking opportunities, he definitely rises up in a lot of people's ranks. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't actually – that's what you got to remember. Like, if you're getting plus three for each time you kick in and say the second stringer at a club takes four or five kick-ins yeah. a game or even three, you know, yeah. it's still in a nine-plus yeah. boost every game. Yeah. So, um, anyone that's potentially going to take a kick-in is uh, is going to be good this year. Um, 
He's always been quite a handy player and uh, probably didn't perform as well as he would have liked to last year at Frio. But yeah. um, potentially just the fact that new club, new surroundings, and they were going through a fair bit of a rebuild with, you know, some of the youth they were throwing in there. Yeah. Um, you know, another year of this team kind of playing together. Yeah. Uh, minus Lockie Neal. Uh, Wilson feeling a bit more at home. I think there's no reason that he couldn't, you know, be an easily an 80 average defender for sure. Yeah, cool. Moving on. The next player is Darcy Tucker. So um, he's a player who's always been on my radar, but always under-delivered. Uh, he's now played 48 games in three seasons and has never got his average above 65. Uh, 2018 was actually his worst season uh, average-wise with an only 59.4. Um, now, what hurts Tucker this year is he actually loses his DPP, so he just goes back to a pure mid. So um, some alarm bells are ringing there. But, look, he's actually one that could slot into that uh, Lockie Neal spot. Um, trying to get a bit more midfield time because he's quite a regular in their team. It's just potentially never had a good uh, position where he was actually scoring well. What I quite like is the fact that he actually only managed 74% of game time last year and the two seasons didn't get over 70. So he's one that's been playing a lot but not actually getting on the ground a lot. So fourth year in, surely his tank is going to be big enough to actually go up to the next level. And to me, he's not one that would surprise if he actually went up there and, and actually had a bit more midfield time and took that up. You know, just playing another 5 10% of game time potentially means another, you know, 20%, uh, sorry, 20 points per game. So yeah. he's on my JLT watch list to see what they're doing with him. Yeah, I was, I was going to say the same thing. He's not a player I'd back with confidence just no. yet. Definitely one of the uh, players to watch. Is it one of those players where he gets to the kind of point where you, you kind of have a crack, have a crack with him, or you just kind of write him off. Yep. Um, so yeah, definitely watch that JLT closely and see how he goes. This will be my year of if he doesn't do something this year, yep, he's never again. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's on the never again list. All right, cool. All right, next up is Andrew Brayshaw. So according to our breakout tra- uh, tracker, he's averaging well ahead of the top twenty midfielders at the same point in their careers. Uh, Average sixty six last year, didn't turn up, but had a couple scores in the nineties. But what we've kind of found out is uh, his time and ground last year um, was very low. So it was under around seventy percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to expect we're going to expect that to rise this season. Lockie Neal going. I feel like I say that for every player, and it's going to benefit them. But uh, I reckon this is the main guy who yep. will actually benefit from I Lockie Neal uh, leaving. So there's a huge hole for him to fill. Um, not really much else to say because we've brought him up three times in this podcast. But I reckon if you got him, uh, you'll be rubbing your hands together, licking your lips, because um, I think it's go time for Andrew Brayshaw. Yep, hundred percent. Move yeah. on. Cool. Uh, the next bloke is Talon Juman. So, uh, funny name, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, look, he's a sneaky defender breakout chance. Um, played 10 games in his second season of footy for a 63 average and included a last game 118 against the Pies. So, did it get it uh, quite good opposition. He played eight games in the twos this year for an 89 average. But what I really like about this kid is his kick to handball ratio. So, okay. in the waffle, he had 127 kicks to 38 handballs. So, basically, three kicks to every handball. That reduced to two to one in the AFL, but the kid obviously prefers the three points, which I really, really like. Um, averaged 20 a game in the 18s two years back and is uh, noted as a really strong intercept player. So okay. if he can actually slot into their best 22 this year, he's one I got my eye on purely because we do like the blokes who kick it more than they handle. Yeah. Uh, interceptors are always good. And look, we know there are spots up for grabs in the in the Freo best 22. So he's a strong watch for me. And if he shows... Mildly anything in the uh, JLT is going to be high up on my list. 
Yeah, statistically he ticks all the boxes. He was one of the players in the uh, breakout tracker for our Patreon subscribers that when I kind of put all the numbers in and kind of spat out who was averaging above, I was kind of like, okay, I didn't really expect that. But when you actually look at his numbers and look what he's doing both in the AFL and in the twos, he definitely ticks all the boxes for a decent fantasy player. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think a lot of players, well, they might know about him now depending on how many listens we get, but I don't think a lot of people are going to be thinking about him, going to know about him. He's not really one that stands out when you look at Frio's list. No, nah, he was one that I had to research to even have a look at. Yeah, yeah. Um, the breakout tracker helped a lot there yeah and yeah just one of those ones where you go geez i hope no one else has uh, heard too much about him because uh i've got quite an interest well now the whole country knows about him so uh yeah good luck case uh well hopefully no one in our <laughs> in our draft leagues listening uh hef the last player for Fremantle is right. luke ryan luke ryan we've talked about him before so we won't uh, bang on too much about him but uh he's another player who we think is going to benefit from the new kicking rules just purely because ross line has stated he's the guy who's going to be moving it from uh from fullback um averaged uh 75 and 77 in the past two seasons 107 kick-ins and the only player uh, only played on sorry 8% of the time so uh, adding kicks that moves him up to a 93 average uh, in 2018 so I think an 80 plus is a given next year probably going to be a lot bigger okay yeah and if you're in a deepish keeper leg he's probably already on someone's list and yeah uh, you'll be Doing your best to move him on, but yeah, if, if you're, he's if there, you're, yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, there's going to be a lot of people listening who are starting up uh, new keeper legs. And, yeah, you know, he's one that uh, you'd probably look into the mid to highish end of your your draft pool um, into so your draft tier for for defender ranks yep. because yes, he's young. Yes, he's got a uh, really good um, secure job uh, in the Fremantle defence, but he's also um, going to be scoring and going to keep his defender status basically for life. So one that you can probably hang your hat on for quite some time. All right, just a note, you're probably wondering where the rookies are. We've already talked, uh, spoken about them uh, in a Patreon mini-episode. So if you're looking for the analysis of all the new uh, draftees and first-year players, um, check out our Patreon page. So our Patreon page is basically if you appreciate the work we do, um, you can choose to uh, donate a couple bucks a month our way to help us kind of keep this uh, podcast going, help us put more time into it. Um, basically, when you join up, you're rewarded with bonus stats. So we talk about the breakout tracker all the time. Uh, we've got all the under 18 stats so both from state level and uh, national championships uh, recently we started to add all the VFL uh, stats up so um, uh, sorry VFL and then we're going to do SNFL and Waffle and uh, eventually the NEFL as well they just take a little bit longer to do um, so you're going to have all those up there they'll help you you know look at the guys playing in the twos um, see who's on the fringe and see how well they score and whether their game's kind of suited to our fantasy they are super handy especially when you're looking at yeah, your second year first second year player yeah. just actually seeing where they're at yes they might not be playing too many uh, too much afl but yep. if they're dominating in the in the lower legs there yeah. should be people on your watch list all right cool so we're going to go through our uh, new patrons who subscribed up since last week and i think i'm going to read them out this week case because yeah, i don't think i've done it yet yeah, yeah cool so uh thanks to the following people uh matthew no surname given but thanks to matthew uh james uh bellet uh, Alex Fuglesang, uh, Dan Callery. Now, for those out there, Dan Callery's in our Keeper League and he's the uh, guy I beat in the grand final and I've been letting him know about it uh, pretty much every day since. So I just thought I'd uh, bring it up again. Of course you uh, would. <laughs> Jeremy Ashley is another patron subscriber. Uh, Juxy Hagler, uh, Jamie Radford and Todd Kempster. So thanks to all those people. You're the lifeblood of this show. We can't do and put this amount, can't do the podcast and put this amount of time into it without you guys helping us out so 
if you want to gain access to all of that bonus stuff or if you just want to say thanks and help us out and keep us doing what we're doing in the podcast, um, head over to patreon.com slash keeperleaguepod. Uh, sign up. You can sign up for uh, as little as two bucks um, a month and get all the um, all the stuff we're going to be putting up throughout the year that's going to help you out with your Keeper League. Let's move on to our listener tweets. So this week we've had a uh, whole heap of questions coming in. So um, yeah, we'll get stuck into the first one. So Kays, what's our uh, first tweet that's coming this week? The first tweet this week is from our mate at Mitchell Bagley 3 His question is, what's going on with Callum Brown? I've had him earmarked since his first year. Went 92 in the VFL last year. Is he actually going to have to leave the Pies to get a gig? Well, he's just signed a new contract with the Pies, I think, at the end of the last season. So he's going to be there for at least another two years, I think, unless he really requests a trade and wants to get out. But I don't think he will be considering the uh, the pedigree. Father-son, yeah. That's it. So, uh, yeah, he's quite short and he's pretty slim. So he's got good numbers in the VFL playing in the midfield. But, you know, in that... In the AFL midfield, you kind of need to be a bigger body these days and quite mm-hmm. taller. So, um, yeah, and then Collingwood's midfield is already super competitive for spots. So, when he comes in, he's probably going to have to play as a as a smaller forward. So, for me, he's probably going to have to wait for someone like Varco to make way before he comes in. And that could be this season, could be the season after. Uh, we just have to wait and see. But, yeah, I reckon just be patient with him because those VFL uh, numbers do look pretty good. So, if you can hold on to him, um, I definitely would for a couple of years because I reckon that uh, might be what it takes before he starts playing some decent AFL what do you think, Case? Yeah, I agree. He's just uh, he's a depth player at the moment for the Pies, which yeah. is no good for anyone's fantasy team. But yeah, he's a keeper know, league, so you can stash exactly. And if you can stash, and you got you know one of those dynasty legs where you're uh, really earmarking people for a long time, yeah, um, definitely one I'd be looking at because yeah, the pedigree is good, his stats are good in the VFL. I think he has to be patient too. And there's always a few of those players around who just don't get their opportunities till late, but hmm. when they do, they're worth waiting for. Be patient. The next question is from Dale Travers. Uh, Tom Langdon showed he can intercept Mark last year. Uh, with Collingwood players getting back from injury, meaning he won't play key position, does that mean he can actually up his average as a bit of a floater, I suppose? Um, well, let's just have a look at him. He increased his average uh, last year when uh, Goldsack came back into the side, so kind of removed him from his key post uh, a little bit. He still had to play tall at times, but um, yeah. But how long will this last? So, Goldsack's probably got one more year. Darcy mm-hmm. Moore's in and out. Lyndon Dunn's injured and reaching the end as well. Jordan Roughhead comes in, but is he best 22? I don't um, know if he's necessarily a great, great backman. Yeah, exactly. You know, like he's a real utility yeah. tool. Yeah. So, if we look at the kind of best 22s going around, Fox Sports has him as uh, the fullback and uh, then he's back pocket on AFL.com.au. Um, for me, he might be freed up from, you know, your fullback, your centre-half back roles, your real lockdown, but he's always going to play the third tall depending on your opposition, I think. Mm-hmm. If opposition has three tall forwards, he's the third one to go um, and we see it all the time. There's quite a few of those third tools that, you know, yes, if they play a bit smaller, they play on smaller players, they get allowed to run or, you know, break their kind of, um, I guess, the hard. Uh, the hard marking on a, a player they can score pretty well but I don't think he's going to be 100% reliable every week um, but yeah he's one of those players for me that you kind of uh, um, I guess you flex say whether depending on his um, depending on his uh, opposition mm-hmm. have a look at their lineup is there that third tall player there um, if not might be one to chuck in um, but yeah one to monitor I yeah. think. Uh, if you've basically got Tom Langdon, you've got the wrong brother. I yeah. think. Uh, Ed's much better fantasy proposition. So, yeah. Um, yes. All right. From uh, Aftershocks Keeper, um, Kays, would you trade out Brody Smith for uh, Chera? 
100% every day of the week. Okay. For me, um, it depends on where your team's at. I think all of these questions you could pretty mm-hmm. much answer these. And, you know, maybe to our listeners out there, it might be good to just give us a bit more um, yeah, information about your team or your league or something like that. Um, because I always I fall into the trap of thinking it's our league where you only keep 16 players, but, you know, you might be, you know, keeping 30. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe uh, give us a bit more info. But, uh, yeah, for me, it depends on where your team's at and uh, what your league does. Um, no doubt. Cherry's going to be a gun, but I just think Brody Smith's going to be around that 80 average defender, and I don't think they grow on trees. Um, so, yeah, if you don't have an abundance of defenders, he's probably one to keep. Um, what do you think, Case? Uh, well, he'll be 27 this year. So yeah, it's and that's not, the other thing not, as well. It depends where your team's at. If you're yeah. going for a flag, yep. I think Brody Smith's probably going to be more valued this this year. Well, true. It depends on your side, I guess. It's hard. But it's true, but I know Brody Smith's ceiling, and it is yeah, yeah. 80. I know, I know. He's you never know. scored more than 80. No. So. so that's what you've got to be very well aware of. Like, Brody Smith's never going to come out and be Roy Laird. They're not. Yeah. He's had too many years of you know, that consistent high 70s. Yeah. That's what he is, unfortunately. Yeah. If that's what you need, go for it. But if you're – I'd actually rather take the risk and I like younger yeah, blokes yeah. and I like taking the risk and I'd take it on Chera over Smith. Yep. Um, I just see Smith as that guy who's stuck and he's not going to improve. Yeah, yeah. Chera, yeah. Chera is kind of untapped and we don't know what can happen. Yep. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, just to summarise, I guess, for me, cases, yes, take him. Take Chera. Me, uh, if you if you need a defender and you're you pu- pushing for a flag, um, then maybe stick with Brody Smith. But, yeah, I think Chera's got a lot of potential and maybe, yeah, two, three, four years to hunt around the track, he's going to be a gun. But, yeah, it depends where your team's at. Mm-hmm. All right. What's the next question, Case? Next question is from Dan K. His question is, if you're in a startup keeper league, how early do you draft Connor Blakely? And what are your thoughts on Andy McGrath? Where does he go in the draft? He's hoping to get both of them, but not sure which round is realistic for picking them. Well, I think if you think Blakely is going to retain his back status over time, I'd take him the second round. No worries. Um, I think my startup uh, keeper league, I took Dyson Heppel in the second round um, as a defender back in the day. Um, so I you know, think he's kind of similar to that. Um, a guy, you know, a young player, who scores really well and playing a defence. I think defenders, are, I know, people disagree and think, you know, you're better off just getting the best scoring player. But I think you need to ensure that your defenders are going to be better. You've got a more chance of getting an edge over a player, I think, if you're getting a defender that scores 10, 20 points more than the other person's uh, mm-hmm. second or third defender type thing. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably take him second round for me. Um, but there's talk of him playing more midfield time, so I'm not sure if that'll be maintained. Um, but yeah, a little bit risky, but I reckon worth a punt. What do you reckon, Case? Oh, I would be very wary of Blakely just because he's a gun and I would take him no worries if it was a, a one-year league. Yeah. As a keeper league, I think he's going to lose his back status yeah. at the end of this year. I just yeah. think that he is definitely going to take Lockie Neal's spot. Yeah. Um, he's going to, yeah, just going to be a lot more mid than he will be back this year. He's going to be fantastic if you get him this year because he's going to be a 100 averaging back, I reckon. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm just be worried about the future. But at the same time that he can score big, like uh, last few years he's actually had some really, really big scores, yeah. which is fantastic because he's going to be good as a midfielder yeah. only anyway. So, But the thing is if he's only scoring Lockie Neal type numbers moving into that role, I guess, you can get a player like that a few picks down the, down the rank. I reckon you probably want to be aiming for one of those positional players that's going to get you, you know, 90 to 100, one of those forwards, one of those backs, um, someone like Jake Lloyd or someone like mm-hmm. Laird if he goes that far down yep. um, or Sicily, maybe players like that that are going to probably retain their their back status and uh, get you uh, some decent points. I don't know. I'm biased towards backs, but that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, I'm too. So yeah. I'm probably thinking Blakely, 
Yeah, maybe round two or three. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of other names that go ahead of him just because people get excited. Yeah. But the kid's young and he can really play. So, um, I'd take him early. I've got no issues taking him early. What about McGrath, case? Uh, probably a bit further down. But as we talked about before, don't want to harp on it too much. I think he's going to be a defender for the next two years. Yeah. Easy. After that, we're not sure. So, at least you've got a defender for two years who's going to be a good 80 minimum average. And yep. then it's going to go from there. So... That's yeah, we're gonna thoughts. we're gonna do a I guess a podcast on keeper strategy. But how far in advance do you think you should be looking? Like, when do you say I'm not going to take this player because he could be a midfielder at some stage? Like, where do you draw the line? Um, good question. Really good question. I think there's a few people who always stand out each year where you go, you've just been gifted back or forward yeah, status, and course, it's going to yeah. last for a Someone year. Someone like Dangerfield, yeah, forward. Like yeah. he'll probably be back as a mid next yeah. year. And you know, I'm surprised Devin Smith kept his forward status this yeah. year. You know, like there's players like that where you just go, man, it's awesome if you got him one year, but next year. Yeah. So if you're going to pick him up for that, is that you've also got to take into account that yes, they may lose their DPP, but they're still going to be guns. Exactly. So yeah. you know, regardless, if you can win, if there's if it's a bit of a win-win situation, take yeah. him early. If there's risk. At some stage of them losing it, you yeah. Know, if, if you think they're only going to be a, say you only think McGrath's only going to average ninety, yeah. But he's going to go into the midfield. Yes, he's not worth the pick. But if yeah. you think he's going to be a ninety average back for two or three years, yeah, then he becomes worth it. So and then yeah. you can all, you can always trade as well in a few years' time. So if you know Blakely say averaging a hundred in two years' time, but you need that defender, you could probably trade down to a 90-80 defender if you really, really, really need it mm. or something like that. So if you're really concerned about players losing their uh, their DPP or back or forward status, you can always trade and yeah. get something back in. So. And our next question is from at South Australia. Is Aish best 22? Uh, probably not. And uh, is he fantasy relevant, Case? Probably not. All right. There's your answer. Yep. All right. The next one is uh, from Jason Robbo, 1973. So what is the keeper value of uh, Tom Phillips uh, Tom Phillips, sorry, and Braden Sire, Case? Well, yeah, I've massive on Braden Sire. Um, yeah, we've talked about him, obviously. Potentially just need to be a bit patient this year. Keeper value high, um, yep. 2019 value not as high. Um, but, yeah, we've talked about Pendery moving into defence potentially and uh, bits and pieces helping out Sire in the long run. Just have to be patient this year. Phillips is one that I think Collingwood need because he's yeah. got that genuine speed and yeah. he's never going to lose his run. spot in the side because no. not that some of these Collingwood blokes are horribly slow, but they're not that explosive yeah, speed. Yeah, and definitely. Phillips has that. Stevenson has that. So I think that those guys are always going to be safe in their side. Yeah. So I'd have no issues keeping Phillips for a long time because he's very fantasy friendly yep. and he's always going to be best 22. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I agree 100% on that. So I think we'll uh, move on. So um, another friend of the uh, podcast at Bry 19 thoughts on Arazio Fantasia Ks? Well, I do love Orazio and uh, I really just love watching him. He's a, uh, one of those footballs, footballers who's a joy to watch. Um, look, he's an 80 average forward, which is very handy, but I think that he's always going to be the 80 average forward yeah. um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, they've got their place. They're going to be that D3, uh, sorry, F4, F3 potentially. Um because he's only ever going to play half forward flank in the Don side, potentially yeah. get up to the wing. I can't see him getting in that midfield no, at all. Even even a wing, I think, is pushing it too. Yeah. Oh, but he might pinch hit for yeah, a, yeah, a couple of times a game, but yeah, it's yeah. not going to be that consistent where he goes up to the next level. Yeah. And if you want to look at, go back to his stats, in the last two seasons, he only he's only had 20 touches or more once. Yep. in two years and he's basically played a lot of those games when he scores big it's when he when he tackles a lot and when he kicks goals which he does quite a lot and that's fantastic 
But if he doesn't tackle or he doesn't score goals, he's, you know, looking at that 50, 60 kind of range for, yeah. for a game. And look, and that's just the that's just your half forward flanker. So yeah. um, I love him. Would I keep him? Yeah, probably because he's at the end of the day, like an 80 average forward, still a, a good, good player. Yeah. Um, would I pick him up early? Yeah, because you know what you're going to get for him and you know he can actually go big. He might win you a game one week, but at the same time he might, potentially cost you a game the week after. Yeah. Now, for me, I only go near him if uh, he starts getting fantasy points for the uh, amount of times Brian Taylor says his name in the most annoying fashion. So, <laughs> beat him, <yeah>. pass. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so unless he's getting those points, that's a no from me. All right, that pretty much wraps it up uh, for this week. So um, thank you for listening to the podcast. Just a reminder out there, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook at Keeper League Pod. Um, yeah, if you want to get in touch, send three questions. We're also looking for uh, people who want to participate in the league spotlight. So um, hit us up if you want to be a part of that. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening this week. Catch you later, guys.